everyone. Welcome back to Alternative Interest. This is Crystal, and this is my guest, Carmen. Hi. Uh, today, we're doing a little bit of a different episode. Unfortunately, Kat can't join us. She had a little bit of an emergency going on. Um, but I am going to be interviewing Carmen, and uh, due to safety concerns and privacy concerns um, that I'm sure everyone will understand as we get into the story. Uh, we are changing Carmen's name and I have agreed to disguise her voice because we want to do our best to share her story because it, it absolutely should be shared. Um, but I want to make sure that she feels safe doing so. Which I appreciate so much. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we can just kind of jump into it. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm not going to give a huge ton of background on me personally because it's very identifiable, but, um, I'm 28. I'm a chef and a scientist. I live in Washington and yeah. I guess some background information on why we're interviewing Carmen today. After I did my initial case on Harvet Williams, and I don't remember the number of it off the top of my head, but it was a stalking case. And I had prefaced the episode saying that I think stalking episodes and stalking stories are so insane in an interesting way because they really illustrate how literally anybody can flip a switch on you and become dangerous out of nowhere. And Carmen reached out to me with a story that she has just recently uh, decided she wants to share publicly in an attempt to, one, and stop me if I'm being presumptuous, but one, heal yourself, mm -hmm. um, but also share the story so that other people can know that someone else has gone through this and hopefully get some resources. Uh, sort of, partially, yes. Um, I have shared this privately with people before, and um, I have done some victim advocacy work, so I've shared it with other um, survivors, you know, to help them feel like they're not alone in the conversation to get them to open up as well um but yes definitely start sharing it more publicly um because i'm starting to feel a tiny bit safer um with the recent changing circumstances that you know about that we're not going to go into right but it's made me feel safer and make me feel like hey maybe he has less of a chance of finding me, you know? That's good. Okay, so, so uh, let me ask. We'll start at the very beginning. How did you and your attacker first meet? On plentyoffish.com, actually. So I grew up in a really, really rural, small town um, in southwest Washington. Big farming community. I actually grew up on a farm myself. And um, I wanted out of there so bad. I wanted to be a big-time chef. I wanted, I wanted to make my name and I wanted out of that tiny, tiny town. So a week after my high school graduation, I jumped out of there and started summer quarter at culinary school in Seattle. Um, and I went from a tiny, tiny town population, like 500-ish, I think at the time up to two blocks from Pike's Place Market. So um, I made this big jump. And of course, I had this tiny high school dating pool. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try a dating site. It's going to be so cool. I live in the city now. Yep. And the world is big. And I don't think most people understand, even within Washington State, that I don't know if people outside of Washington State have heard this, but Seattle is known for something socially known as the Seattle Freeze. Mm. And it is um, a unique phenomenon where we don't like outsiders and we don't like mm. talking to people and we don't talk to our neighbors. We're not very friendly. <laughs> so <laughs> dating in Seattle, you either have to find someone who is literally your neighbor and you see them all the time or you have to go on a dating site. It's just yeah, that's how there's it is. no other way. And Absolutely not, especially with how much people in Seattle work. Not that other places don't work. But when you combine it with the Seattle freeze, it's just like you're not going to talk to someone in a coffee shop. No. So we met on a dating site and we talked for a couple weeks before we met. And we went on our first date. We actually went shooting for our first date. 
Um, which is funny, um, because while where Crystal and I are recording this right now, there's someone off in the distance doing shooting practice. So if you guys hear gunshots, that's what that is. Yeah, actually, I did forget to mention that when we introed. We're recording this out in nature, so uh, you could probably hear the river that's behind us. You might hear dogs barking, a uh, couple of gunshots. It's target practice. We are safely in the middle of the woods, so we're safe. <laughs> I promise. It's just, It might be a little more noisier than usual um yeah but so we met and went on our first date and he asked me to be his girlfriend on that very first date and I said yes and it became very serious very quickly kind of in you know in the way it is when you're 18 and you think you're in love and it's so serious and you're gonna marry this person everything's so serious when you're 18 right and can I ask what was the age difference here um only a like nine and a half months oh okay so you guys were basically the same age there wasn't a huge age difference yeah yeah I was like "Mm." I had to think there for a second I was trying to think in my head really close yeah I was trying to think in my head because I don't know all the details of this um because you only gave me a synopsis before I couldn't remember I'm trying to figure out if there was some kind of predatory thing here but because you were both the same age um absolutely no predatory and uh, and honestly, no warning signs either. Everything was completely fine until he just snapped. Okay. Um, but, like, so we dated for about six months um, in the time he proposed, and I said yes. Okay. Um, again, everything's so serious when you're 18. Um, and you think you're so in love with this person, and they're asking you to marry them, so of course you're going to say yes, and you both see yeah. your big, bright future together. And and- to get married now it can wait you can be engaged for a while you don't want to hurt him by saying no you know yeah and just as quickly as I fell in love with him I kind of fell out of love with him you know I started to get to know him better and it just we didn't want the same things in life and it just wasn't going to work out so we broke up and it was amicable or so I thought Looking back on that conversation, and I know what's coming up next, and I'm sure the listeners can, since we've referred to him as your attacker, I'm sure they can picture. Um, Is there anything, I'm sure you've played that conversation over in your head thousands of times. Is there anything about that conversation that was, it seemed completely normal? To this day, everything still seems normal about that conversation. Okay. We were going to be friends. I was going, I was decorating the cake for his sister's birthday party the next week still even after our breakup you know I was texting his mom in the hours before he attacked me oh wow yeah like very I was close with his family like my family lived a couple hours away I didn't have a lot of friends with the city in the city so I hung out with my boyfriend and his family Mm -hmm. you know so I was rather close with them um and they understood even that, like, you know, they were hoping we'd get back together. But they understood that, like, for now, you know, it was probably best that we take time apart because they thought we were getting too serious, too, you know. Okay. So it was, they thought it was amicable as well, which is funny considering how they've acted since then and the years since. But, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I played that conversation back more times than I want to count. Okay, so um, what is the timeline here between when you broke up and... Two days. Two days. Okay, so do you, is there anything in those two days that happened? Um, he and I talked a little bit, um, just back and forth a little. He was going to drop my stuff by my apartment that I had at his house. Okay. And I was going to give him his stuff. And we did that amicably enough. Um, And when I got upstairs, I realized that, and I started to put away the stuff, I realized he'd forgotten a couple things that I did need for school, Mm -hmm. some school uniforms and stuff. And I texted him, and he hadn't texted back, and that was the night of the attack. Okay, so um, take as much time as you need, because this is hard, and don't share more than you feel comfortable sharing. Absolutely. Um, I'll preface this for everyone with a huge trigger warning for rape and domestic violence 
and I'm probably going to cry because I am a sympathy crier. <laughs> I'll um, probably cry too, don't worry. Yeah. I'm also a sympathy crier. Okay. So. Oh, great. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll just be sobbing. It's all right. <laughs> um, so I was 18. Um, this was a couple months before my 19th birthday um, in February of 2012. And... Uh, it had just snowed. I remember that so vividly because I love snow. I always used to say that snow and I had a thing because I could always sense the first snow of the year. It was just always my thing. Snow Has that I changed since? I don't think I'll ever be able to look at snow ever again without seeing how my blood looked all over it. Ugh. Okay. You can't just I had gone to bed a little bit late that night um uh because I'd been studying for a really early class I had in the, the next morning um so I finally just got into bed around 10-ish like I had just laid down when I heard my door click open and I figured it was my next door neighbor Allie who's again names have been changed for mm -hmm. privacy because so I uh, my dorms were more what was actually an apartment building that my college had rented out and put people in like suites sort of oh so um kind of individual rooms but there was common living spaces that yeah. got shared? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, dorm suites, sort of. And gotcha. I lived on the second floor, which was the only one that had single apartments. Everybody else, you had roommates. Like, had people that lived in the apartment with you. Okay. Um, and so, Allie and I were the only girls. Um, and then there was two other guys on the floor with us. So, there was four of us total. And we were all pretty close and good friends. And we kind of treated the floor as our own one big giant apartment so i figured but ali and i had keys to each other's um because we were the only girls and we borrowed each other's stuff all the time mm -hmm. um and i just figured it was ali coming over to borrow something because i was supposed to be up studying and i just figured it was ali i didn't think much of it and i started to like look at the clock and i saw it was about 10 30 and i started to reach towards my lamp uh, to turn on the light to greet Allie mm -hmm. when a hand went over my mouth. And I knew it wasn't Allie. I didn't scream. I didn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. I was... I always thought if I was going to be attacked, I was going to scream. You were going to fight. I was going to kick ass. I was... Hell No! But yeah, you froze. no, I was shell shocked uh. completely because I knew the hands, I knew the cologne, and I knew who it was. I knew who he was the second he touched me, and I still wasn't afraid. I was understandably confused because one, we were broken up, right. Two, he'd never had a key to my apartment. And three, you have to have a key card and ID to get into my apartment building. Like the, the front place. door is secure, yeah. Yeah, plus a doorman and a security guard that you have to get through as well. Oh. Turns out what we found out after the fact when the police interviewed them uh, was that they recognized him as my fiance and just oh, let him up. No. He said I was sleeping and that he had to work late. I yeah. hate that. Yeah. A security guard ended up killing himself. Oh no. Yeah. 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 But uh, anyways. He shoved something in my mouth, and he taped my mouth closed, and that's when he decided to speak to me. And he turned on my lamp himself, and he looked at me, and he said, I bet you regret it now, bitch. And I was 
still really confused and still not afraid. He had never said anything about you'll regret this. That is an odd statement to make. I was genuinely so confused. I still wasn't afraid at this point. I was like starting to feel like tingles of fear and uh-huh. like what the hell's going on. And he looked enraged, like absolutely manic. Not the person you knew. No, absolutely not. He was shaking and sweaty. And I think drunk. He smelled drunk, but the police caught him a day later. So it was too late to test anything, you know? So we don't know for sure, but I smelled it. Um, And he never called me bitch before, too, which was also really strange to me. And I was just so disoriented. Was that not a word he generally used? No. I, for a split second, kind of thought it was a dream just because it was so unreal on so many levels that he was there. And I was just like, this all feels wrong. It has to be a really weird nightmare. Uh Until he slapped me across the face. And I was like, oh, okay, that pain's real. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Okay, this is real. What the fuck is happening? Uh And I tried to, like, I I went to reach up to, like, grab. Because I didn't even block the hit because I didn't. I never expected him to hit me. I didn't. No. Absolutely not. But I reached up to take the duct tape off. And that's when he grabbed my hands. And he jerked me out of bed. And he threw me to the floor. And he handcuffed me. Where the hell did he get handcuffs from? Brought him with him. Um, and he grabbed a knife out. Thank you actually for that interruption. Cause I was kind of starting to tear up and you kind of pulled me out of that. Oh, Thank you're, you. You're good. <laughs> um, he handcuffed me and he grabbed a knife out of my kitchen and he cut my clothes off because apparently it wasn't enough to just beat me. He had to beat me while I was completely naked with the tatters of my clothing hanging off of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Just had to take away an extra strip of that dignity. And also make it so that you are less likely to run out the door yeah. because of the shame factor, which is awful. So manipulative looking back on it and gross. Mm-hmm. And I was freaking out. I was trying to scream. Um, it is very hard to scream with fabric in your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he proceeded to beat me savagely um and i fought back as best as i could i've got the permanent damage to show for that um he beat me until i couldn't move until i couldn't get off the floor he broke my eye socket he broke my nose he broke my jaw collarbone dislocated my shoulder um he broke this arm, uh, my right arm when I was fighting back, he broke both of my hands, most of my fingers. Oh my god. Um, spoiler, he does end up stabbing me, and with one of those stab wounds, he actually ended up fracturing my pelvis. Oh. Um, he broke every single one of my ribs. Holy shit. In fact, my top rib is permanently displaced, um, from how badly it was broken, and Mm -hmm. it now catches on my shoulder blade. He beat me until I couldn't fight back, and I was... I'm sorry, was he beating you? I know he had a knife, and he had handcuffs. Was he just beating you with his hands? Oh, my God. So, um, stature-wise... Um, so, I'm only 5'5", and he was 6'9". Oh, wow. Yeah, he was a lot taller and a lot bigger. He was very strong. Um, he did competitive overland airsofting, um, and play college basketball and stuff like he was muscular very strong runner okay you know big dude so he he absolutely had every shred of power over you i don't know looking at me now i used to be a svelte you know 140 five five tiny yeah so uh i had no chance Really fighting back. Absolutely. He could have just knocked me out with one punch. He didn't knock me out once the entire time. He wanted me awake. He would literally slap me awake when I would pass out from pain. Oh, my God. Or dump ice water on me. 
that one's fun. Uh, <laughs> um, after he beat me, it got to the point I had so much internal bleeding, I couldn't sit up off the floor. Mm-hmm. Found out it was internal bleeding after all. After, at, at the time, you don't know. You're just yeah. in so much pain, you can't move. Yeah, it was just like... I felt like I was looking at myself, and I remember so detachedly thinking, well, at least the blood's still inside, I guess, as he was hitting me in the stomach repeatedly. And I just so detachedly did that, and I remember that thought so much from that attack. Like, I don't know why it stuck in my head so much. And it's one of those weird, sassy inner comments. I giggle to myself every time, like, I'm just like... (laughs) But after I couldn't sit up anymore, after I had that thought, he started to rape me. He didn't even have the audacity, or he had the audacity, but didn't even have, I guess, decency is not the right word, but I cannot think of a better term, um, to rape me himself first. He used my own knife. Oh my god. Yeah, he used the handle of my own knife to rape me and then proceeded to rape me himself for hours and hours, uh, beating me in between watching TV. And when I would pass out from pain, he'd slap me awake or he'd dump ice water on me. And I was just laying there on my kitchen floor at this point now blood was coming out of me now (laughs) blood and ice water and tears and just a mess on my kitchen floor as he sat there and watched the nanny in between rapes what the fuck yeah really ruined that show for me which is sad because Fran Drescher is a treasure yeah is it does it not add like a sick level it does and let me ask do you think he chose something that was a comedy on purpose yeah because he knows i love that show he's told me in the years since and since he's because spoiler alert he stalks me still to this day he's told me to the fact that he he, chose it on purpose yes god what a fucker he's apparently everything he did that night and i don't believe him when he says that every move he made that night was calculated because he's not that smart (laughs) but i said i believe he said that to fuck with me yeah and fuck with my head and to be manipulative because that's what he's always been best at is being manipulative he's good at fucking with your head he's good at he's got a very silver tongue he's good at twisting a web we get to the point where i guess beating me i guess just wasn't enough for him because he took the knife again and he started stabbing me and he ended up stabbing me 12 times before ali interrupted him because at this point ali said later on to the in her statement and to me that it was about 4 a.m. And I was supposed to be at class already. I was supposed to have left at 3 a.m. to get down to class. And because it was my week to set up the kitchen stations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Allie came over to borrow some milk and just used her key and interrupted him. So she was coming over for exactly what you thought was happening earlier that night. Pretty much, yeah. The... Very ridiculous and painful irony, yes. <laughs> God, I wish it had just been Allie for milk the whole time. But uh, second time, thankfully, it was because I know in my gut that if Allie hadn't interrupted him, he would have killed me. Yeah, absolutely. I know that in my very gut. He's told me the same thing several times himself. He planned on killing me and killing himself. So, I am so glad Allie interrupted him. But Allie opens my door and flicks on the light, Mm -hmm. not expecting me to be there, to 
so I had a little studio apartment, so you walk into a galley-style kitchen, and immediately is the bathroom on your right. So you walk in, galley kitchen, bathroom, and then it opens into the living room that's also the bedroom. Okay. Um, so he was doing this on in the middle of the galley kitchen floor. So basically she opens she the door the and door it's to right me. there. Yeah, to me, right there. Yeah. Um, and Allie just started screaming and screaming and screaming, obviously, as one would. And he freaked out and he took off out my patio door because um, I lived over an alley to a restaurant mm-hmm. um so there were stairs down into the alley and he just from my patio down okay is so he went down the stairs and took off and Allie's just standing there still screaming not doing anything i can't move thankfully her screaming woke, woke up the two guys the two guys there. on the floor and one of them applied pressure to my abdomen which is where most of the stab wounds were located yeah and while the other one called 911, and thankfully I was only a few blocks from a local hospital that had a really good trauma center. Allie just stood there screaming the whole time. We learned that Allie is really great. In emergency situations. <laughs> In emergencies. She's the siren. She gets everyone else rallied. <laughs> Hilariously, this made her become an EMT. Oh, really? Yes. She's actually very good in emergencies now. Now that she's trained. But <laughs> now that she's trained, yeah. She's actually... Um, thinking about going to med school now actually oh interesting yeah she said that this freaked her out so much that and she felt so bad about not being able to do anything and just staying there screaming that she wanted to be better and help other people yeah and i was like you know i'm so glad my trauma could help you let's come up with a better story though please thank you um anyways i get taken to the hospital and as the paramedics are taking me out the front of my building I was naked and covered in one of the emergency silver space blanks like oh, you the, see on SVU the you know? heat blankets that they yeah. use yeah 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 um because they didn't know what to put on me they were just like because uh, I had gaping wounds it's like open wounds and my I had a compound fracture in my arms so the bone was sticking out mm-hmm. I mean they were just like, okay, you know, this is going to be the most sanitary, you know, to prevent infection. Because it was pretty much, I was rushed immediately to the hospital. And from the ER, they were trying to stabilize me in the ER long enough to get me up to an OR. Yeah. Yeah. Because by the time I got there, uh, I'd been beat for hours. I'd been bleeding internally for hours. My bones were broken and had open breaks being exposed for hours. They had to wash out my wounds mm-hmm. they had to wash out all the ends of the brakes that were exposed to the air because um i didn't know it um, but he actually had compound broke these two fingers as well um and the side of this wrist was uh, my left wrist was sticking out as well so i was just like over here freaking edward scissor hands except they were bones Ugh. yeah it's fun that you're able to joke about this now. <laughs> Everybody's like, why are you so funny? I'm like, <laughs> trauma. Yes. So what time were you, do you, I'm sure you remember, what time were you admitted to the hospital to give? I wasn't fully. Or what time, so do you know what time you made it? So my report actually says like noon the next day because the paperwork didn't get pushed through or anything. Oh, okay. Um, but the ambulance report has me there at six. 620 something so that is eight hours yeah that is insane yeah it to this day is still a waking nightmare i mean not only because of the stalking but because of the ptsd and all the aftermaths absolutely i have vivid lucid dream flashbacks uh-huh. to it it's ugh. Um, when you woke up in the hospital, it was two days later, almost two and a half. Um, I was apparently touch and go the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had several surgeries, um, to repair the breaks 
bleeding. All the damage caused. Several blood transfusions. The whole nine yards. I was a whole episode of Grey's Anatomy. Um, And when I woke up, there wasn't anybody in the room. And I remember waking up and kind of blinking and looking around and just going, I guess I'm not dead. Like thinking that I should press the call button. And then like, I I feel like it took an hour to turn my head to even like look at my arm to like will my arm to move you know Mm -hmm. and I look at it and I see the cast and I'm like okay fuck girl aren't there supposed to be some kind of machines hooked up to me that change beeping when I wake up like where the fuck is like I was like okay cool can't press a button on that side slowly look to the other side I'm like cool can't press a button on that side I don't know what to do and like this is not like tv at all where they wake up and someone comes running so yeah I sat there for a little bit by myself unable to push a button until the nurse came around and happened to check on but it feels like so much longer when you can't do anything honestly i was just kind of just like sitting there the whole time assessing like feeling in my body just like going through each part of me going like okay well if i have to sit here and wait doing like an inventory yeah i'm like inventory what's wrong you know i'm like cool everything's broken that's that's chill everything's chill oh why does my stomach hurt so bad you know um, at what point, obviously the police are already involved. They had to, like, 911 was called. 911 was called. So. Um, Allie did not, said she didn't see his face. So they didn't know who attacked me at the time. I was unconscious. I couldn't tell them anything. Right. So they didn't know who had done it. And really what had happened, so they'd been waiting for me to wake up. So when I woke up and was able to talk um, and felt comfortable talking to the police, I gave an interview and I gave them my attacker's name and all my home address, cell phone information, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And like his work address and everything. And they picked him up at work. Okay. Um, Turns out he had two guns in the car with him. Um, he resisted arrest, but eventually was subdued and came, um, and, you know, I, I was in the hospital. I thought everything was going to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Because you have given them everything. They picked him up. He was in jail. I'm like, I'm sitting there in my hospital bed going, okay, he's in jail. This is great. He's in jail. I'm getting a restraining order. And I was granted a temporary restraining order and everything. And I was told that we were going, that in anywhere from two to three weeks, there was going to be a second hearing for a permanent restraining order. Mm -hmm. And that um, they were talking to the DA about moving forward with charges for attempted murder. Right. And domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that come with You know, all this. the charges of the charges. You yeah. Know. And the charges have charges. And anyways. And then I didn't hear anything. And I got released from the hospital and I, I went back to my apartment. And I still didn't hear anything. And I kind of went crazy (laughs) for about a week. I wouldn't leave my apartment. I dropped out of school. I didn't tell anybody that I dropped out of school. Um, School was telling me that they weren't going to accept my resignation from school and were just going to let me stay there as long as I needed. It's clearly... Uh, now now I know they were trying to avoid getting sued, but, you know, they were trying to be helpful. 
and I would just stare at the floor and I would just I could so vividly still see blood and I would just sit there and I'd scrub my floor and they had replaced the floor mm -hmm. and finally one of my best friends was like you're going crazy I'm worried about you you're not sleeping when you do you sleep locked in your shower with a bat you haven't left the apartment just come here with me to Wyoming come here because she was going to college in Wyoming at the time mm -hmm. and she was like I'll buy you the plane ticket come here stay with me then at least you'll sleep you'll be safe here you know come here and so I got on a plane um two and a half weeks after I was released from the hospital and um moved to Wyoming I didn't tell her that I was moving oh I didn't tell anybody I dropped out of school um, and left the apartment and sold all my shit. And I showed up, um, gave her the cash back for the return ticket. I was like, I don't need to live with you, but I'm just going to live here. I need to be somewhere other than Seattle right now. So the day after I landed, this would have been a month after the accident. So okay. I still hadn't heard back. At the time, you probably didn't realize that that's... I didn't realize it bent along that I hadn't heard back about them. I'm actually thinking more like you probably didn't realize that the justice system does not move in three days like Law & Order makes us think it does. Yeah, definitely didn't realize that, but I was either way supposed to have a hearing to get the permanent order oh, reinstated because okay. the temporary one only lasts up until your hearing date mm -hmm. um, and then it expires. And I hadn't... Uh, they hadn't told me yet about a hearing, so I called them and I explained the situation and that I'm in Wyoming and can I appear virtually? It's a violence issue. Mm -hmm. It's a safety issue. And they let me appear virtually because they forgot to put it on the docket. And I was like, seems okay. And at that point, I was just thinking, Okay, sure. Yeah, they totally forgot. It's, it's, it's Seattle PD. Thing. They have a lot going on. And now we know that Seattle PD is... Back when I trusted the cops. You know? <laughs> uh, and so I get my permanent restraining order. And I wait to hear about going forward with the charges. Except that I don't. So I call them. Mm -hmm. And they say they're not moving forward with any charges other than domestic violence, that they were declining to press charges. Why? That's what I said. I said, why? And they said, it's up to the DA. And that was the only answer they could give me. Okay, so get the DA on the phone and get him to tell me why. I was unfortunately in Wyoming, so I couldn't just go down to the offices. Right. But I did call repeatedly, and I finally was emailed by the DA. Quote, unquote, the DA, probably his secretary. Winky but. wink, yeah. Anyways, saying that they didn't feel there was enough evidence to move forward with charges, that my attacker had been set free on uh, time served and had gotten probation. I was like, I wasn't even informed that there was a trial. And they were like, oh yeah, he pled out. I'm like, and I said, I asked Aren't them, you supposed to consult the victim I said, on that? aren't you supposed to consult me on that or even let me know that it's happening? And they right. said, no. And I said, okay, why not? And I never got a response. There's literally a law in Washington State. I covered the case. I know you did. That did the law that created this. That they're supposed to let the victim know when their attacker is released. God, what the fuck? Yeah. I didn't know. Because you're 18. He'd been out. I, I didn't know. I had no idea. And I didn't know that he'd been released. And by the time I found out, he'd been out for almost a week oh my at God. that point. The point is, is that old Seattle money can buy you a lot of things. Including some people. And we'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> you know? And we have all heard so How, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. That is all we need to say about that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so oh, my attacker pretty much got away with it. 
And in the years since, you've said he's stalked you. He's stalked me since 2012. He showed up in Wyoming. He's found every single address that I've lived at since then. He has stalked me. He has walked through the restraining order. He's not afraid of it. He's tried to kill me three times since. I don't call the cops anymore. I was threatened. Because they don't care. I was threatened by the police the second time I called the cops. Why? When he slammed my head through a wind, through um, my driver's side door of my car in a parking lot. How did they threaten you? I was told that they could file, I could file a report, but it wouldn't go anywhere. And if I knew what was best for me, I'd just shut up and leave it alone. So, I think we talked about the asshole enough. Yeah. Um, I, I understand therapy. Um, Lots of therapy. I've been in therapy since the attack. Um, I go... I, I do some meetings. I do group therapy. It's not to say that it's anywhere close to smooth sailing. I've tried to kill myself twice since mm-hmm. the attack. Um, trying to forget him, I became an alcoholic and almost killed myself drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm recently sober thank god and feeling wonderful but i was so bad that i had to detox in the hospital for almost a week and then i went to rehab i mean rehab in a pandemic now that's fun guys so does this feel therapeutic sharing it out loud like this every time i get to tell my story instead of him telling his version of how apparently I'm crazy it was my fault and I lied and he never hurt me and he would never hit me and you did it all all yourself I framed him yeah I stabbed myself it was all because I was crazy um it just it feels like I'm taking back that part of me that he took from me that I finally feel strong enough to go and take back because he did he took something from me he took a lot from me that I can never get back but I can fill that spot in with other things like helping other survivors you're crying and I'm going to start crying (laughs) I've been working with an amazing tattoo artist um, to cover up all the scars from him the physical ones with very gorgeous art you know um and there's one on my ribs that I'll show you. It's uh, not all the way done. Um, and I'll describe it for the audience. It's going to be great. It's over one of the big knife wounds on my ribs. If, if you want, I can take a photo of it if you're comfortable. Yeah, with it. I have I a photo of it. I can use that as one of the photos I share for the Instagram. Okay, absolutely, yeah. Because um, it doesn't show your face. No, and yeah, and I have a picture of it. Um, so I worked with this amazing artist, and it's my hand holding the knife that he attacked me with mm-hmm. and the other and holding a noose and it's going to have blood dripping down the fingernails and the knife mm-hmm. and it's going to form the words that say kill your local rapist it's pretty badass yeah i love it i can't wait till it's done we don't have good enough mental health care we, we just don't. don't um is there anything that was a healthy coping mechanism that you've been able to use cooking um, has um, being outside really does, um, being with animals really helps, but honestly, no, not much. And everyone says time helps. It doesn't feel like it does. It feels like I live the movie Invisible Man. He has walked through the restraining order so many times. He stalks me. I get messages. I have to change my phone number constantly what do you hope happens to him obviously nothing legal is going to happen to him legal is going to happen to him but i think i want people to stop having babies with him and believe in him yeah guys he's crazy i promise i know you don't know who he is but if you know him you know who. if you know him you know which is again why i'm getting putting this out there i I found out that he just got somebody pregnant again 
and it's just like these women aren't safe if he did it to me i i mean there's always a chance i'm the only person he's done this to but statistically most likely no it's not he's probably beating these other women yeah and i also want other survivors to know that i guess it just it's not your fault that you didn't see it coming i didn't see it coming it's just i want other people to know that they're not by themselves because i mean the whole situation is very isolating it is so isolating i felt so alone i mean i didn't sleep for days at a time and i don't know if any of you guys have ever done that but you go kind of crazy i mean yeah lack sleep, of sleep is, is proven to cause yes, hallucinations at a certain point yes and i mean i was having hallucinations i wasn't sleeping i was being stalked is just so isolating and so alone and i know that for me at least the true crime community and listening to these kinds of podcasts and stuff helped me a lot feel like it was okay to tell people what happened to me and that it wasn't shameful and that it wasn't my fault no so do you have I know that we're in Washington, so some of your suggestions may be very Washington-specific, but do you have specific places that you know of that give effective support oh, to survivors? So much so. Okay, so Rain is amazing. Okay. I, I went with, I've worked with Rain myself, um, which is the Rape and Incest Network. Oh, there's a second N. Um, anyways, um, and actually Planned Parenthood has really amazing resources because i had to get a full rape kit done and i ended up um actually this attack is what got me aggressively i i'd worked with teen council which i don't know if that's just a washington thing or not but it's a thing that planned parenthood does where it recruits teens from local high schools and they put them together in a council and then gives them a speech and a presentation and they we go around to schools and i did uh, not know that uh educate your peers on HIV and sexually transmitted diseases. It's an awesome program. Um, But so I was aware of Planned Parenthood and had worked with them previously because I did teen council in high school. Um, And then so when I went to do my follow-up STD testing, I immediately was like, okay, I'm going to Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. And they ended up, that was actually, so I did that six months after the attack which is how long you have to wait for the hiv mm-hmm. testing and so i went to get my next hiv testing done um and i still hadn't done therapy or anything because growing up therapy was a dirty word mm-hmm. and so i hadn't done therapy i hadn't started anything to keep moving forward um and the clinician saw that and was talking to me in what was supposed to be a quick swab and go blood draw Mm -hmm. bye-bye exam you know and turned into a two-hour full consultation appointment and i got a ton of amazing resources shout out to planned parenthood seattle i had no idea they did this planned parenthood is amazing i know they do so many things but i had no idea they even touched this parenthood guys yeah they have amazing amazing resources for rape survivors and even if they don't do it themselves they can refer you out they referred me to rain okay you know um as other than that um all my other suggestions are going to be hyper local there are however a lot of larger metropolitan areas and some um smaller ones have um survivor groups that meet sort of like aa does yeah um to talk every week um that's just a google search for you to Planned look up. parenthood would probably be the best place um actually to know. rain helped me with that rain, okay. um and other local other groups have to um I wish there was like an app for it, but I understand why there's not. There's an app for AA now, which is really cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, other than that, don't be afraid to get therapy. And just remember that therapists are not one size fits all. Yeah. If you don't like, like your shoes, first one, try another one. 
but give them a fair shake. Yes, give them a fair shake, and it is totally okay to plateau with a therapist. Sometimes you do need to switch therapists or switch treatment plans. Maybe you just need to switch something up. Yeah, I know I've had to do that, but keep at it and don't be afraid to do it. I mean, hey, I've been checked into a hospital on suicide watch before. Trust me, there's there's. There's nothing to be ashamed of or afraid. Do you have an anonymous email where people can reach out directly to you if they... I can make one for this. Would you be comfortable with I that? I will absolutely do that. I've done counseling myself with some local organizations for this, so... Okay, because I would really like to... Pro- because you are... You have experienced such a full spectrum with this, and I know that sometimes the healing process needs a little bit of helping someone else out with theirs. Absolutely. I find that it does help me do that. So please guys do email me. Um, I will include it in our show notes because it doesn't exist yet. It doesn't exist yet. That's true. I will make it soon. Yeah. I'll make it before this episode airs. Thank you for sharing with me. I really appreciate it. It's a very hard story to hear, but I hope this was a positive experience for you. It was, and it was good to... Yeah, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad I could share with you guys. I'm glad I'm finally on the podcast. Yay! (laughs) Yeah, uh, check out our show notes for some resources. And if you want to reach out directly to Carmen, um, I will include an email where you can reach out to her. And uh, thank you all for listening. And thank you for letting me share. Of course. All right. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.